Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody. Welcome to a very soothing episode of Homo Sapiens. My name's Chris Sweeney. I'll be your host. I've been your host since the beginning. Let's be honest. How are you all? We've got a very special episode of Homo Sapiens today because it was World Poetry Day on Monday. So we're making this whole episode all about queer poetry. And I am joined by two poetry luminaries, the poet Sinead Newsom-James and Ben Townley, who is the founder of 14 Poems, which is a queer poetry anthology. Hello, you two. How are you? Hi, Chris. Hi, I'm good. All good here. Sinead, we can now see your top properly, which is absolutely amazing. What is it? Where is it from? Well, if I told you, Chris, that it's actually a dress. Shut up. Well, it is Homo sapiens (laughs) after all. Hello. Ah. that's what we look yeah. for just that little extra mile you know what i mean a bit of glamour <laughs> i feel bad i'm just in a white t-shirt i feel like i should have made more of an effort no with that ring light you've got you look gorgeous <laughs> do you know what i did today nothing to do with poetry but i feel the need to share because i'm a bit out of it do you know what i did today i stood on a nail no now it sounds worse than it was because it wasn't like a rusty nail and it didn't go too deep but I felt it pop through my skin oh god yeah I was in the attic and I was rushing and I was trying to get out because I didn't want to be in the attic and I stood on it and it went I was like oh sharp and then it went pop through the bottom of my foot and I was like oh which and also slightly semi-bleeds at something like you're like oh this is gonna bleed loads it's great and went downstairs to my husband and said, I've really hurt myself. He gave me some Nurofen and I was like, can you check they're not the ones with codeine in? He said, they're absolutely not. So I took them. They were ones with codeine in. So if at any point I kind of melt, um, like I've had a quaalude, just <laughs> try and wake me up. Either either tetanus is going to take over your body or the codeine. Uh, I know. I really don't want to have to go and have a tetanus job. But it wasn't rusty. That's why, that's why I was thinking I was all right. Um, listeners, I want to tell you a little bit more about our two guests today. So Ben, as I said, founded 14 Poems, which is a London-based poetry journal, uh, publishing some of the most 
exciting LGBTQ plus poets around. 14 Poems released every three months in a physical book form. Ben founded it and you also have an Instagram, that's right, isn't it? And you do lots of like live chats with your poets on there where people read poetry. It's a hub for poetry. It's got loads of followers. It's a beautiful thing. How long ago did you launch? Two years ago now. Two years. We've just come to our uh, second second birthday, yeah. You know, the, the intention was to shine a light on queer poets because they're often um, they often miss out on spots in the poetry ecosystem Mm. but also to make poetry accessible to people I think people are really scared by poetry they think it's going to be very thou and and wearest and all very sort of the stuff you get taught at school and actually poetry can be a really powerful tool in talking about big meaty issues but also about everyday um, life issues it can really help voice those. Talking of speaking about big meaty issues in a beautiful way enter stage left Shanae Shanae is a poet but also a a polymath you do you're an actor you're a theatre maker you've performed at RSC Stratford you're part of the Roundhouse Poetry Collective and you've written and directed plays and your debut pamphlet will be out next year with Bad Betty Press correct correct except it's out in August that's this year okay thank you (laughs) and bad betty press ben and i were talking a moment ago so they are amazing right absolutely they're they're just wonderful people just doing wonderful work amazing people love them and you're going to read a couple of your poems for us today aren't you i am indeed very exciting um first up will be black dorothy i think and that is such an amazing poem so i cannot wait for you to hear it listeners also at the end of the episode you guys are going to help me give away a t-shirt please because we're going to do review of the week but first we're going to do a few emails claire has been in touch on instagram saying she loved the chat with Georgia, Georgia, the writer of Succession, who was on the other day for Culture Club. And she's written a book, My Mess is a Bit of Life. Amazing title. Um, And also was talking just about how she advocated for Cousin Greg to be gay in Succession, which I thought was fascinating. And how Roman is a bit kind of pansexual and stuff. Do you two watch Succession? Yeah, I do. I do. I sort of hate watch it, if I'm honest. But uh, it's... (laughs) I'll get Georgia on the line now. Um... No, no, because it's so good and it's so well written. But it's that good that you actively hate everyone in it because well we talked about this i don't feel like i do hate everyone really i don't know i just think they're entertaining and i mean (laughs) i don't know it's sort of like i'm glued to them but it's not like i think they're nice for clarity i think what it does really well is it you sort of want to um you want to hate them all and you want bad things to happen but it's sort of they always get away with it. I know. And so you just, it's good at saying what the world's like while being insane and while making you hate those people and sort of, yeah, it's it's uh, it's dark, mm. but very good. I'm obsessed with Roman and um, Jerry. Yes, that's such a funny relationship. And then Heather got in touch. Hi, Chris. Thanks for, so much for your wonderful podcast. My pleasure, Heather. I share a workshop with my wife. I'm a candle maker. She's a picture framer. Oh my God, this is my dream. And it's now a firm favourite alongside the Guilty Feminist. Brilliant, love it. And good old Grown Up Land back in the day with Mae Martin. I've never heard that podcast. Do you know Mae Martin? No. Amazing comedian who did Feel Good. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love me and Sinead clearly don't know anyone's names. We're just like, <laughs> oh yeah, I know who they are. <laughs> Did you do and do anything other than poetry? Um, <laughs> then what is what is Heather saying? As a maker of scented candles, Heather, 
leave your wife, marry me. I'm especially loved the episode 164, The Pink Pound. I'm now even more proud to make scented candles. Brilliant. Perhaps I should rebrand as the queer candle maker. Honey, if you can make a pound, you should do it. Thanks for the joy and discussion that you bring to our workshop. I'd love to send you one of our scented candles. I can't believe this. 100% natural made with rapeseed wax, essential oils, and no nasties. Much love. Heather, thank you so much. Please, please send me one. Maybe we could give one away. Wonderful. Thank you, Heather. Oh, I love a scented candle. Do you have a go-to? Um, Usually linen. I like that oh. kind of clean, stripped mm-hmm. back. Vanilla is too sweet for me. What about you, Ben? Oh, yeah. You know what? There's one that we just were given as a gift, and it was so good. And I can't remember. I think it's called Bougie or something. Oh. And it was so good. Sort of fruity, musky. I know musky's bad, isn't it? No, I love musky. (laughs) That's what I love. I always remember Nikki Haslam, who was a guest on this podcast in our first ever series. He was is an interior designer and decorator and many other things, but he was asked to make his own range of candles and he got them to be made to smell like cigarette smoke. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I'm all over that. I love it's that. It's so cool, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very him thing to do as well. Also, someone wrote in, which I thought was lovely, is we were asking our listeners about what their favourite poems are and what their favourite queer poems are. Sibal wrote in sharing a post, which is, poetry is what happens when nothing else can. Have you ever seen that before you do? No, no, I like that. Mm. Sinead, what takes you to poetry? What got you into it in the first place? Um, I don't know. So when I first started writing poetry, I was kind of taking a break from acting stuff, not Mm -hmm. because I wanted to, but just because it was kind of slowing down. Um, And I found that there was just like this playfulness in poetry that also exists in, in acting. And when that kind of dried up, I kind of went to poetry with that Mm -hmm. I feel like people always I I think I say it but I think a lot of people say actually that like the best actors really know how to play and so like I guess finding that in poetry was like oh god this is like more opportunity to be playful um so that was like maybe like two-ish years ago Mm. um but I just like really weird stuff and I used to just like write (laughs) down really weird stuff in my notes (laughs) and I think like poetry is just like very like a great opportunity to like put that into something and make it into something more than just a weird note <laughs> <laughs> so like why not just publish my weird notes and, yeah <laughs> um but do you do you also find that there's something about poetry where if you if you create a poem you can sit down and think you want to create that poem you can write it and then you do it and it's done and it's real and it exists as a creative a creative creation and there's something about acting, which is that you have to wait to get hired in order to be the, your job. That is that is very much true. I mean, I think there are some people that like try to say that 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 isn't necessarily the case, but it, it certainly like does feel like it. I think hmm. poetry is something that you can just kind of come to at any at any point. Really, you kind of have to wait for other people when it comes to acting. It's like it's. I feel like poetry is um, is like a, it's a physical thing, but then it's not. But acting is just so physical. There's so many other bodies and other things that need to fall into place before it's something that can kind of take place. And you can be simple and fast. You can be, uh, I don't know, like you're totally in control. I imagine it's a lovely antidote to the other version. Are you acting as well still? 
I am still I think more now than I was when I was um like sort of when I first started writing poetry so like naturally I'm just like kind of trying to get the balance back (laughs) which is interesting well you're what do they call them multi-hyphen or whatever that's it (laughs) Ben you know you created 14 poems and you spoke a minute ago a little bit about what was lacking and things but what was the impetus for you in yourself why did you want to do it because I know that prior to that by the way listeners me and Ben have known each other forever so I'll be exposing all of our dirty secrets on here Um, I thought we'd be on our best behavior I was like I'm going to pretend I didn't know Chris but go on oh no there's no point um (laughs) we should give you a buzzer when I say if I say something you don't want to be said um but you were working at Sony Music in marketing and then here smash cut to you're suddenly doing a queer poetry anthology inspired by Butt magazine how well I think you know, I've always read poetry. It's always been my primary source of um, or what I've what I've read mostly since I was I was at school. I couldn't really connect with literature generally, and then I had this great teacher who went off piste and uh, introduced me to Sylvia Plath and Philip Larkin, who've you know both miserablists, which really spoke to me at eighteen years old. <laughs> and uh, and then I went on to study literature, and poetry was always really the through line for me. Um, mm-hmm. I always connected with it. I always wrote myself, but Sinead was saying she was writing down uh, mad ideas. Uh, my ideas always stayed as mad ideas that were terrible, so they they weren't worth publishing. I'm sure they weren't. No, no, they... Sinead, go on, tell him he's great. Go on. <laughs> my writing is terrible. Sinead's like, I've read some of them, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, sort of after that, worked in like editing and then marketing at a mm. record label and... When I left that, I just thought I was trying to find somewhere that reflected um, my experiences as a gay man, but also our community's experiences. And there just weren't that many places. And, Mm. you know, I I had a little bit of saving set up and I was like, I'm going to launch my own thing, which is, Chris, as you know, it's not very me. But I was like, I really feel like passionate that I can get this out there and get people excited about poetry um, and excited about queer stories. And yes. I think when Sinead was talking earlier about the different things of acting and writing, this idea that with poetry, you can really control your own narrative and put these different experiences in such a precise form across different people across the queer spectrum um, that it's so pure and joyous. I just, I love that. Yeah, because that was sort of a question for both of you, really. It's like, what is poetry for? for want of a better description, for you personally? Well, for me, uh, a lot of poetry is about, like, giving myself permission to to show up as myself, I think, and to to have, like, a specific place where I can put, like, those, like, mad ideas. And, like, and, and also, like, striving for, like, an independence that I never thought I could really have, that, that, that I guess my ideas are worthy of being written down I think I think Mm. it's also like a very I like the idea of of archives I mean I'm happy to share my poetry the way that I do you know being published but I think that also archiving for myself as well because I I guess there's there are things that I wrote like years ago that I don't really connect with but that Mm. that there's still something in there for me and I, I have a relationship with that place because I think it relates to where I am now. So, yeah. 
I'm sorry, I should have asked you this at the top. I always do this to people halfway through an interview. How do you identify? So I'm, I'm bi. Uh-huh. My pronouns are she, her. Did you find your queerness and poetry having a link? It, did you help? Is there somewhere you've been able to express that? It was literally the first time I was able to like sort of talk about it. Um, I think I, I, I had spoken to my best friends about being queer. And before that, it had come out as kind of like, I thought so, I thought I might be, but it was kind of, I don't know, diminished a bit because of the people that I was sort of like telling. Mm. Um, that, and there was so much safety in in the poetry and putting it into poetry because it's mine, you know? Yes. Wow. And Ben, what about you? What does what does poetry represent from you for you? And did did it help you find some of your queerness? Or express some of your queerness in those poems you won't let us read. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Definitely expressed my surprise. Uh... Surprise. We've got two of them here. <laughs> <laughs> You've hacked into my phone uh, iPhone Notes app. <laughs> I think when um, you know I started coming out at university age, and at that point, you know, my mind was being open to loads of different poetry, different literature, and it really helped me process that. Whether it's reading. Not necessarily mm. just queer writers, but people who are who are challenging norms. And the good thing about poetry is that it's not restrictive um, and that you can play around. Like Sinead was saying earlier, it's really playful, which I think people yeah. who don't really like poetry don't think that. And actually reading these different writers, different like Apollinaire or Rambo in France or um dylan thomas or uh dh lawrence baba black sheep <laughs> being very playful and and allowing me to realize that there's um a way of finding my my own identity through things mm. um and you you know you said what is what is poetry to me and it's sort of it is also just entertainment for me it's really great mm. reading these fascinating insights into people's lives and um and also how people like Shanae are so good at playing with language and oh, the idea yeah. that you can get these really complex emotional moments a bit like uh, Black Dorothy the poem that I think Shanae's going to read it's just it's yeah. so smart and so it blows my mind so I'm often sending texts to people to poets or or, or via Fulton Ben's Instagram being like I screamed out loud, loud when I read your book because it was so exciting and mm. such an incredible feat to force this language to to express something One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shanae's poem Black Dorothy is, is such a beautiful example of the way what I love about poetry which is it crystallizes something like that's actually quite 
hard to catch on to in any other way in the way that music can you know it just like can crystallize a feeling and it sort of stabs you in the heart almost with how impactful it is with just a sentence that can be thrown away and like there's one sentence in black dorothy which i'm just gonna let you read it before i start pulling out words but it's just it sums up so many things and it's beautiful and can't wait for everyone to hear it um this is officially a teaser everybody um and coming up after the break no i'm joking but um the first poem i remember at school reading was not waving but drowning yeah yeah someone saying that like i was out at sea and everyone thought i was waving because i was far away and i'm doing that with my hand my hand is going in a waving action but i wasn't i was actually drowning i was trying to get help and it was that thing of like that visual could be interpreted two ways and there is kind of like a dichotomy of how they're behaving and actually they're concealing their real feelings pretending to be happy when they're not and i remember just being like it's by stevie smith is that right ben I'm going to read it. Uh, Nobody heard him, the dead man, but still he lay moaning. I haven't read this in school. I was much further out than you thought and not waving but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking and now he's dead. Oh, it's a cheery one. Sorry, everybody. Um, (laughs) It must have been too cold for him. His heart gave way, they said. Oh, no, no, no. It was too cold always. Still the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life and not waving but drowning. And I just remember being like, shit that it just struck me and I was aware that I was also a kid who was young and queer trying to hide it and trying to pretend to everyone I was happy and I wasn't and I could, didn't even have the words for that at that time but I was just like because if someone else is feeling that you're like oh god it kind of makes it real for you you know what yeah. I mean and also just the way a poem like that and also Black Dorothy and you know all the best poems really just the way they can have those multiple meanings the, mm. The, the different layers and the way they can speak to you on different levels is it's just I think poets are just incredibly talented to be able to to crystallize everything down to such a, a perfect little few lines it's incredible. Sinead should we hear Black Dorothy since we're talking about it so much and it's just the most beautiful poem yeah um because we know the audio quality in this episode isn't great my apologies listeners shanae's very kindly offered to record the poem just for us so you can hear it at its best black dorothy in our year six production she was dorothy and i was black the set was built by linen trouser mums who doused their couscous with hot sauce when i came round for tea I imagined choking on their sunburnt breasts. I only did the first half of the show, yearning somewhere. Even noticed how vague this was. She was saying, spin the globe. I was born into this world, welcome and unrepentant. Dorothy, who never didn't have cheese strings in her pack lunch, did not know her lines. She got the yellow brick road part though. After all my wishing... I only got the murder of the evil witch to prepare me for the bullet body encasing. In the girl's toilet I stood in the mirror, considering the lie I was telling. Backstage she waved at her mum in the audience. You look pretty, I say. You look like your mum knows she put you here on purpose, like the roof is not enough. She said something short, like thanks, or everything is me and I am everything. At the end, she giggled in her celebrity and made her mum cry. When I found mine in the car park, she said it was good, Sinead, but I've seen better. Wow. 
Wow, well done. That's amazing. <laughs> it's such a wonderful poem. It's so it's incredible. Because this is a true story, this poem, right? So when I was in year six, I played Dorothy in our year six production at the end um, in The Wizard of Oz. And I had to share the role with my best friend at the time, who was white. And it was kind of the first time that I was, A, realising that I was queer and B, reflecting on race in in this Mm -hmm. sort of specific way. And it was actually like a very like actory realisation the way it came about because it was, I guess, a realisation about realism and how it didn't feel kind of plausible to have me play Dorothy, not mm-hmm. just because I wasn't white like the character was supposed to be, but also because I was noticing what playing that character meant and what sort of attributes come along with being white and, and being black, the, the difference in characterization that I had seen. Um, and so... Yeah, the whole, so the whole um, pamphlet, Surrender Dorothy, um, is kind of sort of, it has a thread through it, which is sort of me taking a look at this Wizard of Oz world. And there are some poems where I'm sort of in the production of the Wizard of Oz in year six. And then there's like a poem where I sort of go into the, the filming studio and like I'm interacting with Judy Garland and and then there's like yeah there's a poem that I'm gonna I think I might read later there's yeah yeah absolutely yeah there's another poem which is kind of um, me kind of doing something about the inferiority that I feel and sort of taking it out on the other Dorothy um Mm. so it's all just like happy lovely joyful (laughs) lovely (laughs) subjects it's it's just beautiful to see all of that you're describing lightning conducted into however many lines it is not very many you know it's just it's so and also the what I what I personally love about it is there's a different thing about you know being Dorothy as a black woman but to be Dorothy next to next to the white woman and almost to see every parallel bouncing back and forth between you and how mm. even how like her mother treated her compared to how your mum treated you mm. is so poignant it's just so and we can all relate to that I think and that whole you know you can you can take it in any area of queerness or whatever but it's like that the way that people were portrayed in those times as well in you know Wizard of Oz and all those movies and I, I I think specifically my own version would be like how men were portrayed in films when I was young and I was just like I am not those men shit it's amazing that I love that you've then turned it into a whole universe pamphlet for yourself uh to explore it further I suppose thank you yeah it was um god I I I don't know it's it's when you take into account that I'm like an actor and a writer it, it, I kind of look at it and I'm like oh that's such an actor writer thing to do to, to like combine like the acting world with the with the poetry mm. world but I, I kind of like that I, I really like themed um, pamphlets I think it's there's something really special in that and like narrative kind of surrealist things yeah but also I think I think what's nice is like, in some ways, being in the school players aren't sometimes our first times of trying to match up to versions of ourselves and what people expect to be in jumping into stereotypes and actually realizing as a queer kid that might never happen. And 
it's a long old journey, 34 and counting, um, to find out that that doesn't matter. Do you remember the first time you read it, Ben? Yeah, Sinead sent it to, um, so we have submission windows where poets send us their poems and you know, we get a lot of poems. Um, I think we had about 1500 for that issue. Wow. And Sinead sent me her poems and I think I sent her an email saying I would publish any of these because they were so good. <laughs> oh. uh, and I, I, I'm not very good at poker. So I was very clear how much I loved uh, Sinead's work. And Black Dorothy was my favourite because it's uh, for all the things that you both said, but there's just such beautiful turns of phrase. It's that the the phrase uh, the the roof is not enough or, or about the the white Dorothy's mother saying to her this this sense that this girl is told she can do whatever she wants whereas yeah. the black Dorothy is is sort of told that there's there's a dead end for her mm. um, and it's so I think I mean me and Chanel have talked about this and uh, uh, I've talked about how there's like a dark humor to it as well it's sort of it's very sad it's very poignant but it's also it's it's slightly funny, you know, the couscous with the spicy sauce and these <laughs> well-meaning people trying to intervene and help and do things in, in this play. I, I just think it packs so much in. And I loved it. As soon as I read it, I was like sending an email saying this is going in the book. Oh. And Sinead, do you, I interpret it and, you know, I could be wrong, you know, maybe there's no right and wrong. But, you know, that there is a feeling of like, ennui about it like of course it was going to go this way you know Mm. of course they you know put hot sauce on my couscous of course she of course she looks better in the dress type thing because of course that's Mm. what it is she gets told she's great I don't and is Mm. does it have that tone was that how you did you intend that tone um I think that it's the sort of lens that I look through a lot in the pamphlet of kind of like there are elements of me now telling the story, but but that it's also like kind of like very much in the moment as well, and kind of reflecting on it. I guess I guess you have a lot of options. I guess when you have a poem like this, and it's you're kind of coming at it from this angle of I'm trying to share it with with you. Please understand like what it is that I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. But I think. I really like that people find it funny in some places. I think sometimes that's like a little bit hard because I'm like, oh, I kind of meant it as like very serious. But um, I think I think that dark humour is really special and I, I love to play around with that. Yeah, it's. I think it's like life is a mix, isn't it? Funny things mm. happen right after terrible things and it has yes. that... that that sense like you were saying poetry has different meanings i guess it also has different mm-hmm. readings like people bring mm-hmm. their own experiences to stuff and mm-hmm. see themselves in certain lines that might not be what the the poet is necessarily intended i find that a lot when we we do our weekly readings with our poets and i'm always like oh i love this poem because this is what it's about and they're like no, it's not like that <laughs> uh, poet left the chat oh um... <laughs> but i think that that sort of um flexibility and playfulness to an extent should be encouraged I think when we're first taught poetry in school there's you're taught there's a right or wrong answer and actually Mm. it's a bit there's a bit more of a gray area than that I think and you can find your own way through different poems yeah and you said like you said at the beginning like it's about making you want to do 14 poems to make it accessible I think poetry can feel very excluding as you know I I love 14 poems because I I think it is 
beautifully accessible and there's something in there for everybody. I think you will always find something that connects with you no matter who or what you are. It's also beautifully put together and they're like they're always a different color each um three months that they come out the one I'm holding is purple are you in the green one Shanae is it the green one that you're in it's blue blue good to know yep thanks well done Chris (laughs) so one of the things you first ever said was it Sylvia Plath meets butt magazine is that right yeah the idea is Sylvia Plath reading butt magazine because I you know I love Sylvia Plath because um I'm still a miserableist even though I'm not 18 years old, but I, I think her poetry is incredible. But there's also like a slight cheekiness to her, I think, and it, yep. in in her real life, maybe not in her poetry, and um, as well as all of the sadness and everything else. And I just think there's something I like that clash of the idea of Sylvia Plath reading Butt magazine and giggling as she's reading it because mm. I wanted 14 poems to express the whole gamut of queerness as much as possible. Like, and that might be sex. You know, there's poems about fisting. There's poems about one night stands. There's poems about getting off with people in clubs. But then there's also poems about the struggle to have a kid and IVF. And, you know, like Sinead's poem about being a kid in school and coming to terms with your queerness. And Mm. and then there's poems about race and about gender. Just trying to get as many different interesting stories out there because there are so many fascinating stories that often get overlooked because they're written by queer people yes and they are actually deeply universal i mean you know the black dorothy contains so many themes that we all know about not getting the lead part and you said a funny thing that you know when there was this play put on at your school everybody went for dorothy no matter what right no one kicked oh you absolutely everyone literally everyone (laughs) and it was i was so chuffed that i I made it but then kind of like disappointed because i was like why isn't it me and only me? Like, why do yeah. I have to share? <laughs> why, why did they share? Just because it's such a big role. I think so. I think they wanted to make it feel like it was, I don't know. I don't know. I would have mm. done that. It's not a choice I would have made. <laughs> you would have cast Sinead and Sinead. Um, Sinead and Sinead. <laughs> Taking all the roles, Sinead. Uh, yeah, all exactly. the roles in it. I'll be the tin man. I will be. It's <laughs> a <laughs> so one woman show. <laughs> 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. That's the end of part one of our lovely queer poetry special. I'm having a lovely time. Go and have a listen to part two over on the feed. Powered by Spirit Studios.